Amen. Sounds good, hey? Who was blessed last week? Christy kicked us off with um, James week one, and um, there's been a lot of chatter through the week, which uh, is always great to hear. Um, a lot of people talking about how that message really affected them and made them think, which is great. We want you to be thinking. We want you to be thinking about your life, the way that you think and the way that you, you live and the way that you speak um, and what sort of impact that has on your life. So Christy talked about the joy that was set, before, we talked about the example of Jesus when he said the joy that was set before him, he went on and he endured the cross. He had something before him that was joyful in his heart that made him see the, the suffering that he was going through in context. Context is a great word, right? Context. Sometimes we get so focused on the struggle, we're looking so hard at the disaster that you're facing that you forget about the joy that's set before you. And so therefore, it becomes the only thing set before you. All I see is the struggle that's set before you. No wonder you get depressed. No wonder you get disheartened and sorrowful because all I've got before me is this sorrow, this sadness. It's important. And Christy said, if you don't have joy set before you, then you're doing the wrong thing. Then obviously what you've got set before you isn't good enough. You've got to have something worthy set before you in your life so that when you do hit a snag, when you do hit a struggle, that you're going to go through it instead of staying in it. Like, like David said, though I walk through the valley of death, through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to camp there. It's not my destination. My destination is something way better than that. So um, really encouraged. James kicked it off by saying, count it true joy, real joy, absolute joy, when you encounter struggles and challenges of various types. The fact that he said Struggles of various types is a little bit of a clue, a reality check, right? There's, there's not just one type of struggle. There's a variety, a smorgasbord of, <laughs> of struggles. James was saying, count it pure joy when you're going through this stuff because, like I said, we're going through it, aren't we, church? We're going through it. We're not staying there. We're going out the other side. Well, um, just a quick, uh, quick update. I hope you guys had a great weekend, but um, some of us men got together. We had our very first, for the year, men's meeting. It was really good. I can hear a bit of a hoo from the crowd. Um, you know, it's really powerful when the men of a church get together. And that's one of the things that I've, I've, we've heard feedback from a number of times about Oasis Church, that the men are strong in faith. They're not wishy-washy men. They're not men that just kind of show up because their wives have dragged them along. They're there because they believe in this thing. They're men of faith. So um, Paul Busso led us brilliantly. He shared his testimony and actually found out that um, Paul Bustle, the word, his name Bustle, is why Bustleton is called Bustleton. Interesting fact. It was your forefathers, right? Can you imagine a town full of bustles? A town, a town full of Pauls? I mean, there'd be a lot going on. I can, I can say that. There'd be a lot going on. But I want to encourage you men, get along, get behind Paul. I think he's doing an amazing thing. And we're going to build something really strong at Oasis Church for our men. So we're going to kick off into week two of the book of James. 
James is a really no-nonsense kind of guy. In fact, he wrote a letter which was distributed throughout the, the Roman world at the time. Um, and it was pretty punchy, pretty meaty stuff. And he didn't hold back. He didn't pull any punches. He just went straight for the jugular. And, and really, Paul's, Paul's uh, letter, probably less of a letter and more of a, a, a selection of pithy stay, sayings, you know, of like meaty It's almost like the book of Proverbs for the New Testament person. Okay, so... With that in mind, um, we're going to dig a little deeper into this, uh, this amazing collection of, of wisdom, really, from this man, James. Like I said, he, he didn't pull his punches. He, he went straight for the jugular. And, uh, you know, I thought to myself, I wonder what it was like being James's wife, being, being the wife of someone who was so direct and to the point. You know that, those moments, guys, when your wife's getting changed and she says, Hey, honey, does my, does my butt look big in this? You know that moment? And at that very point, most blokes are like, ha, 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 ha. Like, what do I say? If I say, you look great, they'll just tell you that, you, tell you that you're lying. If you say, oh, well, actually, you do look pretty fat, you're going to get a slap and that, you know, you'll get the silent treatment for a few days. So pretty tough. I think... For James, however, he probably didn't have that bone in his body where he knew how to walk the line. He was just like, straight out, give it to you straight. But sometimes I think, I mean, no matter how we are emotionally, um, we need to hear the truth, don't we? We need to hear it straight, up and down, no frills, this is how it is. We need to hear the truth because, as Jesus said, the truth what? Sets you free. The truth actually sets you free. It's nice to be told that things are going fine, but sometimes you actually need the reality check of what's real, what's true. So um, let's move on without further ado. I know I've been um, zigging and zagging, but this week I want to talk about how do we tame the tongue? How do we tame the tongue? So let's dig in. I'm going to read from chapter 3. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control the tongue, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. And though the winds are strong, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, a great forest of sequoias even. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. 
Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you, can, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Like I said, he's pretty tough on the words, isn't he, James? He, he says it straight. First thing I want to pull out of that passage is this line where he says, A tiny spark can set a whole forest on fire. Sparks. Sparks. I've got a picture of some sparks right there just to stimulate your mind. Sparks. You know, when I was a kid, my, my mom, unfortunately, she grew up in a home that was very dysfunctional. In fact, her dad was an alcoholic. He was physically abusive to everyone else in the family. And so they ruled under this really uncomfortable environment. Anyway, when I was a kid, every now and again, we'd go on this road trip, it seemed like, to go and visit... Um, our grandparents, my mum's parents. And it seemed like, it, and it wouldn't happen that often because it was a really long drive, and so we'd be driving through Sydney from Balgala, where we lived, to, to Hurstville, um, an hour sitting in the back of the car. We finally arrived at Nan's house, and, you know, pleasantries are done with. We sit down, I've, I've got some kind of toy with me, and about 30 seconds later, we're going. What just happened? Something, it was, something was said. There was a conversation between her and her mum. Something was said. And it wasn't raised voices. It wasn't a big fight or anything like that. But somebody said something. And the next thing I know, we're getting back in the car and we're driving the hour trip back home again. What just happened? But that, that was the spark I'm talking about. A simply innocuous word was spoken. And it triggered something really bad. I'm not saying whose fault it was, but it's just interesting to me, the power of words. It doesn't even have to be a raised voice. It's a trigger. It can do an immense amount of damage. And conversations like that, if we can call them that, do happen all the time, unfortunately. They happen all the time. Think of things like gossip, lying, cheating, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, and hurt. All of these things can pour out of the mouth. And James put it this way in, in uh, chapter 1. He said, If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Whoa, that's heavy. It's almost like this is the bottom rung of your Christian journey, controlling your tongue. If you can get that right, that's like, that's like the first step you take as a Christian. That's a solid burn from James. All right, I figure that there are three things that we can do in response. Three things that we can do with our tongue. Three things. We can bless with our tongue. We can curse with our tongue. And we can keep our big mouth shut. The three options that you have. Three options that you have to choose from. So let's talk about blessing. The power of blessing. And, you know, Kerry Kirkwood was here at the um, Recharge Night a couple of weeks ago. For those who are here, it was a powerful, powerful message about blessing. And if you didn't hear it, I'd encourage you to go to our podcast and have a listen. 
It's, it's a really good word, a good thing to get hold of in your own heart. But the power of blessing is an incredibly powerful thing, and we don't realize it. You know that the universe was created by a word. How powerful is that? The universe, God's creation. Now that, that picture there is just, that big swirly thing is just one galaxy. Just one of the probably billions of galaxies that he created with a word. With a word. He said, let there be light. And there was light. That's the power of the creative word. The power of the creative word. Now, we are children of God. We have been created in his image. So we have power with our words in the same way. Now, this next passage comes from Romans. I want you to get hold of the power of it. It's just incredible to me. Paul's talking about Abraham. And he said, Abraham was first named father. He was first named, somebody called him father. Somebody, God the father, decided to call Abraham. He said to Abraham, you're going to be a dad. Abraham at the time had no kids. He was old. He was probably in his like 90s or 100s. He was old. He was past it. And God spoke a word to him and said, Abraham, you're going to be a dad. Not only just the dad, you're going to be a father of a nation. God spoke a word. It all began with a word that was spoken, a promise that was spoken. Then he actually became a father. Can you see the train of events? First begins with a word and then the action follows. He then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. To raise the dead to life. Get this. With a word, make something out of nothing. Another translation says, declare that which is not as though it is. Can you get the power of that? Can you understand that? That's the way that God operates. Every word that comes out of God's mouth is creative. When he said, let there be light, there was no precedent for that universe. It didn't exist. It was void. It was a void. And he spoke a promise into it. And there followed the creation. When we speak with our words, we have the power to create. I want you to understand it because we are in the image of God too. This is the problem. We get confused with facts and truth. Facts and truth. The news is big on facts. It loves facts. The news is all about the facts. Economists love the facts. Experts love the facts. Global warming experts love the facts. They'll talk about facts till the cows come home. Commentators talk about facts. There's the late, great... Richie Benno, and this guy, I don't, I don't really know who he is, but he looks pretty serious, doesn't he? He looks like he's got some facts. I've got some facts for you. And he's, he's obviously a man of some substance. Someone said, facts are just things that get in the way of a good story. Ever heard that before? We get so caught up with the facts that we see around us that they become our reality. 
we're more willing to talk about our facts than we are about the Word of God that He's spoken into your heart. We're willing to describe our circumstances really well with a great amount of detail about the problems that you're in. They're the facts. What we need to do is switch off the commentary from this guy in our head, describing your world, telling you how terrible it is. You can't have a baby. You've only got six months to live. You're dumb and you shouldn't go to university. You're bad with money. You'll never find a husband or a wife. You're too poor to be able to buy a house. The Dockers will never win a premiership. <laughs> that, that last one's got to be strong, got to be strong. <laughs> we got to listen to what God speaks about your life. That's the thing that should be running around in your head. Not describing the facts. The facts are just facts. They're just incidental things in your way. Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you is going to see it through to completion. I am a child of God. I am blessed. I found this great verse the other day in Proverbs. You know, I'm studying. I've got exams coming up and... To be honest, I've always said I'm, I don't have a good memory. But I found this verse and it says this, The memory of the righteous is blessed. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to take that. I'm going to run with it. He's going to bless my memory so I remember all these facts. I actually do have to remember facts. The Lord makes me rich and he adds no sorrow to it. That's from Proverbs 10.22. By his stripes I am healed. Isaiah 53.5 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, Philippians 4 verse 13. See, these words are words of promise. They are creative words that you can speak over your own life. You can speak them over the words of other people around you. These are words of blessing and not cursing. And look, don't get me wrong. It's not a magic wand. It's not like bippity-boppity-boop and all my life is going to be perfect. We understand it. You know, people get disheartened and disoriented when they go, well, I, I, I tried that once and it didn't work. You've got to imagine it like a flow. You are a river. And out of your mouth comes, comes words like a river. And if you continue to speak those words of blessing... The flow comes from heaven out of the throne of God through you and it affects the world around about you. That's the, the way it works. It's not just like I'm going to say it once like a magic trick. No, I'm going to declare it over and over and over again. It's going to become part of me. I'm going to declare a new type of life over my life, a new type of destiny over my family. We're not going to be like my, the generations that went before me. We're going to be different in Jesus' name. Because God said, I'm a child of God. These blessings that come from heaven belong to me. I'm going to start speaking them out. I'm so glad that to see you today. I believe that you can do this. You are doing an amazing job. You are going to get through this. See, the power of those very simple words has an impact on those that you speak to. 
And they're so, so simple. Have you ever been the recipient of a positive word? What does it do to your heart? Boys you, doesn't it? It lifts you up a little bit. It doesn't necessarily change your day. But imagine if you were surrounded by people saying, go for it, you can do this. Come on, keep going, push through. You don't want to be surrounded by people who are dragging you down and telling you how bad you're doing, commentating on your life. Well, you, you stuffed that up, didn't you? Well, yes, I know that I did. I know I just stuffed it up. I don't need someone commentating for me. Imagine how you could transform your world. And this is what Kerry was getting at. You transform your future. You change the world around you. The way you declare it is the way it's going to be. Instead of to your wife who just cooked you a meal, well, that was awful. You could say, you are an amazing cook. I believe that you've got great skills that you just have not discovered yet. You're going to be amazing. You speak the future of your marriage. She is so beautiful. She is the most loving person I know. He always remembers to put out the garbage. Always. He is so tidy. He's the most tidy person. He is so thoughtful to me. These are just little examples that I'm throwing out. Things that you can say over your spouse. And I'm not, just, I'm not saying fake it till you make it. I'm not saying pretend that things don't, don't go on. But the power of your words has great potential. Great potential. And you can create your future one word at a time. One word at a time. It's like a Lego house. Just one little brick at a time. You're going to add that thing. And you're going to change the world around about you. All right, let's look at option number two, which is cursing. Cursing. And, you know, look, we, um, we don't use that word cursing much these days. So it's kind of a, an, an ancient or anachronistic word, the word cursing. And so most of us would say, well, I don't curse anyone. Like, I don't say, like a, like a wicked witch, you know, <laughs> I curse you. We don't, I'm going to lay a curse on you. No, we don't actually talk like that, which is great. If you do, by the way, then, um, well, let's have a chat afterwards about that. Um, but we do say things which ultimately are cursing. They, the words that come out of our mouth actually can bring curses on people. And isn't it funny when we get to that point, you know, we're having an argument with our spouse, which obviously never happens around here. Um, but we always, we always say, we say, you always dot, dot, dot. Or you never dot, dot, dot. We kind of like to escalate and inflame the situation way out of proportion. And what, what's the end result? Like when you've vented, when you've said your piece about how bad the situation is, you walk away from that. How do you feel, honestly? Do you feel better? I don't. I feel like, ugh, I, I'm actually more angry. I'm more upset. I'm more wound up. If I declare a blessing over somebody, how does that make you feel? Not only does that person feel buoyed up and blessed, but you walk away going, hmm, I feel good. I feel free. I feel free. 
The power of the curse was illustrated in the gospel, um, the gospel of Mark. Jesus was walking along one day and he comes to a fig tree. There's a, an illustration for you. He's walking along and he comes to a fig tree and it, it, Mark says it wasn't actually fig tree fruit season. So there was no figs on the tree. But Jesus said, he, he was hungry, he obviously wanted to, to eat some figs. There was no figs there. So he said to the fig tree, may you never bear fruit again. In effect, what's he doing? He's cursing it, right? He's cursing the tree. He said, may you never uh, bear fruit again. Days later, they're all walking past that same road, I guess. The tree's there, and it's all shriveled up and wrinkled, and, the, and it's dead. Incredible. And I've read that story before and thought, that's so weird. Who goes around cursing trees? But, you know, Kerry brought something out the other day, and I, I really love it. it. It's a wonderful illustration of the power of our words. We have the power to build up and we have the power to destroy with our words. Our words. We, see, we often don't realize the power in them. And so because we don't realize the power of them, we just blab all sorts of stuff all over the place. There is power in what we say for good and for bad. You need to, I, I want to encourage you just to watch the things that come out of your mouth in the next few days. Think about some of the things that either go through your head or you say and pull yourself up when you hear things like, you're always late, you're forgetful, you're annoying, you never follow through, you're stupid. Or the classic, idiot, when someone pulls in front of you on the freeway. There's some of the words that come out of our mouth that actually are negative words which pull down and they destroy all right, option number three. So if, if you can't bless and you not, definitely don't want to curse, there's option number three, which is silence. Keep your mouth shut. You know that old proverb, if you haven't got something good to say, don't say anything. It's option number three. Proverbs seventeen twenty eight says this, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. How about that? With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Will that be handy for me? You know, just by keeping your mouth shut at an appropriate time, you can uh, resist the temptation to do harm. Actually, just as an aside, it really gets me when, well, we could use football as an example. You've got the tagger, right? Who's in their ear. You know, there's the big, the big, uh, big guy who kicks the goals. And there's someone like a little, you're an idiot, you're stupid, blah, 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 all day long. And finally the guy snaps, doesn't he? And what happens? Bang. Breaks the guy's nose or something like that. Blood ensues. And who gets in trouble? The guy, the tagger, right? I mean, the, the guy who does the punch. The tagger doesn't get in trouble for saying all that stuff. But it's the words that are powerful. That leads to that end result. It's the words, actually, not the punch. It's the words that actually pack the punch. 
Proverbs 18, verse 18, says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the innermost parts. Mmm, yummy. Don't we love it? A bit of gossip? A bit of gossip? It's great, isn't it? And you know, sometimes people who like to gossip like to bait you with a little bit, don't they? Did you hear about such and such? Eyebrow or, or something? Oh my, you know, a bit of body language to kind of... I didn't start this, hey. I was just talking about them. And it's so tempting sometimes to enter into that. Now, I want to encourage you, don't go down that road. Don't open your mouth and allow those things to begin. It's easier and better to stay silent. In fact, sometimes you do need to go on the offensive. And when they say, hey, did you hear about such and such? You can jump straight in before anything else is said and said, oh, I love those guys. They're the best. I really love them. And you shut it down straight away because they know, they know they're doing the wrong thing. Another little trick is imagine that person is there with you, sitting right by your side in that room. Would you say the same stuff or not? Would you open your mouth? Keep it shut. You know, in this day and age, opinions are great. Everyone's allowed to have an opinion. But just because it's okay in the world to have an opinion doesn't necessarily mean we need to be doing that. Sometimes it's better to zip it. Zip it. Zip it good. So you guys have got three options. I want to encourage you with one final thought. 